0: Hey, friends, thanks for joining a podcast. I want to tell you about something really new and exciting called Patreon.com slash BP Show. It's a great way to get uh, exclusive interviews with newsmakers, voicemails, personalized videos, political commentary, and early access to a special podcast called The Making of Bernie Sanders. Go to Patreon.com slash BP Show. Patreon.com slash BP Show. Hey, what do you say, folks? The man is completely unhinged, no doubt about it. After that so-called news conference in New York yesterday, President Trump says to white supremacists, KKK, and skinheads across the country, I've got your back. Yeah, what about the United States of America? Great to see you today. It is Wednesday, Wednesday, October, October, I wish, August 16. Here we are, the Bill Press Show. Good to see you. Thank you so much for joining us. As we come to you live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, and our studio on Capitol Hill, it's not just here in Washington, all around the country, everybody is saying, what the hell happened? Yesterday, they unleashed the tyrant uh, let Donald Trump be Donald Trump. Boy, we saw him, uh, the full Donald Trump, yesterday, repudiating everything he had said the day before, blaming uh, the neo Nazis and the KKK for the violence and the death of three innocent people and the, and the carnage and the, and the rioting in Charlottesville, Virginia. He blamed them on Monday. Tuesday, he came back and said, no, they were only 50% responsible. The people who were there standing up for what this country believes in were also responsible just for being there. Uh, Trump's comments, as we will see, condemned by Republicans across the country yesterday. When are they finally going to throw this guy overboard and save the country? Uh, The trauma that we're in the middle of. Send us your comments on Twitter. At BP Show, we want to hear from you. But first...
2: This is the Full Court Press.
3: Just a couple of other stories making news. Congratulations to Barack Obama while he is not president
0: anymore. What? Barack Obama? He
3: is not president anymore. Mm -hmm. He is the proud owner of the most liked tweet Mm -hmm. of all time. Uh, After Charlottesville, after the attack in Charlottesville, Mm -hmm. Barack Obama tweeted a photo of him uh, looking into a window with the faces of children with many different ethnic backgrounds, and it says, uh, no one is born hating another person because of the color of his skin or his background or his religion. That is a quote from Nelson Mandela. Nelson Mandela. The pre- and it currently sits at 3 million likes as a tweet. The previous record holder was a tweet by Ariana Grande following the deadly bombing in May uh, at her concert in Manchester, England. That was at 2.7 million likes, so Barack Obama currently sitting at 3 million likes. Uh, so it is the most liked tweet ever. Hate to see that the two most liked tweets of all time were both surrounded by tragedy and about tragedy, but uh, Barack Obama back on top.
0: Uh, Donald Trump will deny that. Donald Trump say his tweets are the most popular his tweets ever. tweets are the most popular. they it? reach, what, 45 million people or something like that? Yeah, well, sorry. half of them are bots. Yeah, so yeah, exactly. doesn't count.
3: <laughs> They're not all real people uh i see you have your smartphone there bill i have I do, my smartphone here yeah do you I'm ever sure it's
0: off do you ever oh, walk
3: away that. uh without your phone
0: yes oh god
3: and do you ever get like a real serious anxiety are you kidding separation
0: and anxiety you've seen i've been here in the studio and i've gone home to get my phone that's actually true
3: well that is <laughs> a, okay. that is a phenomenon that researchers are now calling nomophobia <laughs> nomophobia it is smartphone separation anxiety, and they are saying that this is turning into a real thing because so many people live their lives on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, via texts with their friends. They don't wait for phone calls anymore. They're getting yeah. texts from yeah. people, and you get this fear that uh, you're going to miss out on something. They interviewed—this uh, th- is a story uh, uh, revolving around the, the uh, psychiatrist and psychologists who are taking a look at how this is all impacting uh, us uh, as a society, but they interviewed one doctor who says as smartphones evoke more personal memories, users extend more of their identity onto them. So our smartphone is really just an extension of us. Can I admit something? Sure.
4: Uh, this actually happened with my coffee this morning. I got all the way down the four flights of stairs in my apartment building, realized I forgot my coffee, went all the way back up instead of just, you know, picking yeah. out this coffee. Can't be separated from caffeine.
0: Yeah, I know. Um...
2: On your radio,
0: on TV, and online, this is the Bill Press Show. Hey, what do you say? Here we go now on a Wednesday, August 16. Yes, indeed, no doubt about it. It's just a race. Any doubts, no longer any questions about it. The man is absolutely bat-you-know-what crazy, and he proved it yesterday. At Trump Tower, boy, that was a great news conference on infrastructure yesterday. We learned a lot about infrastructure yesterday. Yeah, (laughs) Mm -hmm. right. While While his cabinet members and his chief of staff stood at his side, embarrassed to hell, Donald Trump went wild and proved once again what a racist he is and how totally incompetent he is to be president of the United States. What do you say? Hello, everybody. Good to see you today. On this Wednesday, August 16, the Bill Press Show. That's me. We're coming to you live from our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., keeping our eye on all the news of the day, both what's happening here in Washington. Yes, up at Trump Tower, uh, down at Bedminster, New Jersey today, around the rest of the country and around the globe. We tell you what's going on. That's our promise. That's our deal. That's our delivery. Your delivery is to tell us what you think about it all. Send us your comments on Twitter. Love hearing from you at BP Show, and we're looking at you live on Free Speech TV. Also looking at you live on our uh, video stream on YouTube, YouTube.com/slash/The Bill Press Show, and out in the Chicago area on WCPT, the Progressive Voice of Chicago. That's us in the morning. Uh, great to see you there. Thank you so much for joining us. Don't forget to check out the podcast a little bit later uh, in the day. If you miss anything in the morning, you can always catch it by going to uh, bellpressshow.com. And we start, of course, with the number one big story of the day that everybody is talking about. It was exactly 40 years ago today that some people say Elvis died. Oh, man. Huh?
3: I got thoughts on this. You know how much I love Elvis Presley. Uh, and Elvis I Death Day. I got thoughts on
0: this, too. I don't believe it. Elvis Presley. I, I just want to know. I don't believe it.
3: First of all, a couple of things you need to know. <coughs> uh, Elvis Elvis didn't do no drugs. No. No matter what you no. hear from people, no. Elvis didn't do no drugs. mm
0: uh, <laughs> And you better not say I did or I rip your, I, rip I'll your, rip your tongue, tongue out. out. By the roots. By the roots. <laughs> yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: Nothing, I think, sums up America better than our infatuation with Elvis, both living and dead. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Happy Death Day.
0: So we can't let that day go by without... Happy Death Day. Yeah. And then, yeah, we get to crazy-ass Donald Trump yesterday. What went on? And again, so they called the pool over to Trump Tower because the president had one meeting uh, on his schedule. It was a meeting with some cabinet secretaries. Secretary of Transportation, uh, and uh, the Secretary of Treasury, uh, and a couple of others, and Chief of Staff John Kelly, where they're going to talk about infrastructure. So after the meeting, they called the pullover and said the president's going to come down and just basically sum up what happened. He didn't talk about infrastructure at all. He just let loose again on Charlottesville and basically denied everything he had said the day before. Now, let's remember the sequence of events here. Last Saturday, when all the violence occurred in Charlottesville, Donald Trump came out and said, I condemn all the violence on many sides. And I thought, what? Many sides? This was an alt-right rally. They called it. They came with guns, with shields, with torches, with signs, chanting, right? Jews will not replace us. Jews will not replace us. So this was a right-wing skinhead rally. Donald Trump said there was violence on many sides. Wrong, on wrong, many huh? sides. Yeah. Very so nice. a lot of people thought about, over the weekend, how could he say that? Monday, when he slips down to Washington for all of nine hours, uh, because the White House is being renovated, he holds this little um, spontaneous kind of news conference, and uh, and and he read. It wasn't spontaneous at all. I'm sorry. He read a statement written for him from the teleprompter where he said, I condemn for that violence the KKK, the skinheads, the white supremacists. They were wrong. Boom, boom, boom.
1: Racism is
0: evil. Here it is. Yeah. He said, right, racism is evil. That's a
3: big big step
0: for him. They said, oh, man. Well, he He didn't have as much heart as he did on Saturday. Obviously, he was forced to read it. Because he gotten so much criticism, but at least finally he gets on the right side of the issue. Yesterday, out the window. It was back to what Donald Trump really believes, which is that his base, these skinheads, these alt-right, the white supremacists, these KKK members, that they are people they are his people. They're the people that he stands for, the people he identifies with, the people he considers true patriots. And he came back to blaming. Are they a little responsible? Oh, yeah, he says maybe 50% responsible. But here's Donald Trump yesterday. There's blame enough on both sides.
1: There's blame on both sides, and I have no doubt about it, and you don't have any doubt about it either. And, 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 and if you reported it accurately... You would say.
0: I mean, notice how hostile he is. You don't have any doubt about it either. Yes, we do.
3: No, I, th- we that, know the facts. We're, we're going to play a lot of audio from from this, yeah, and we're
0: going to work through this.
3: But the one thing that I think that was very telling about mm-hmm, all, mm-hmm. all all of this yesterday uh, was his tone. Oh, and li- oh, and yeah, listen to it in the tone. clips that we play as yeah, we move forward. Yeah. But he was mm. uh, unrestrained, right? Like, he was sort of unleashed. He was ready and wanted to fight about this of all things,
0: Yeah. of yeah.
3: all the things to no. fight about and get angry about and get defensive about and get no. aggressive about,
0: very, this
1: very
3: is what he chooses to do.
1: And, 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 and
0: listen to it. Very combative. Very combative. Very yeah.
3: Fighting yeah. with the media, making more accusations of fake news. And
0: defending David Duke. That's yeah. what he's doing, right? Unleashed and unhinged. He goes on again. Uh, nobody else will tell you both sides were responsible. You know why? Because it's not true. But
1: I will. You had a group on one side that was bad and you had a group on the other side that was also very violent. And nobody wants to say that. But I'll say it right now. You had a group, you had a group on the other side that came charging in without a permit and they were very very violent.
3: That's the issue. They didn't have a permit. That's the issue. They didn't yeah. have a permit. That's what he gets upset about. That's un Unbelievable. Yeah, He'll right. find any reason whatsoever to defend white supremacists.
0: Uh, and so let's no, let's get back to what the facts are. This was a rally called by a group called Unite the Right. Right? Unite the Right or Unite the White is what they really are. Right? To come there to protest uh, ostensibly the issue, taking down the statue of Robert E. Lee. This Monument to, not to the history of the South, this monument to white supremacy, which is really what it is. Yeah, there were some other people who showed up to say, no, we think the statue ought to come down. But, I mean, they had every right to be there, and they didn't come with. We had the two reporters in yesterday yeah. from Think Progress who were down there who described that every single person they saw on, of the alt right, if you will, Every single person was had some kind of weapon, some kind of arm, either a gun, a long gun, or a handgun, or a shield, or a club, or something, right? And the others were just citizens who were there saying, you know, boy, we think the KKK is wrong. And Donald Trump is saying, they're equally responsible for the violence, Uh, He's also saying here now that not all of those people who came there, right, uh, were white supremacists. Some of them, again, just thought the statue should stay up.
1: I've condemned neo-Nazis. I've condemned many different groups, but not all of those people were neo-Nazis, believe me. Not all of those people were white supremacists.
0: Yeah. Me. Well, you know, uh we played some of this uh, on on Monday. But let's go back to um this is Friday night. The chant that these people were chanting as they walked through Charlottesville. Now you can hear it. A little change in the chant. It starts out these are the people that Donald Trump says are not neo-Nazis. They start out chanting you will not replace us. Listen where they go. Yeah. Jews, well, well. Jews
2: will not replace
0: us. Yeah. From you will not replace us, which is bad enough, to Jews will not replace us. Oh, yeah. But according to Donald Trump, these are just people who think that statue should stay up. That's the only reason they were there. Yeah, they were not neo-Nazis. They were not skidans. The man is absolutely freaking delusional. And then, worst of all, right, he goes on to say, well, if you're going to take down the statue of Robert E. Lee... You might as well tear down the Washington Monument.
1: Was George Washington a slave owner? So will George Washington now lose his status? Are we going to take down? Excuse me. Are we going to take down? Are we going to take down statues to George Washington? How about Thomas Jefferson? What do you think of Thomas Jefferson? You like him? This,
0: this is... moral equivalency between George Washington, the founder of our country, and Robert E. Lee, the man who tried to destroy it. This is. Disgusting.
3: This is your Fox News grandpa at Thanksgiving, right? Like we've all heard these dumb arguments. And by yeah, the way, yeah. by the way, there is some truth in 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 what Trump says. George Washington and Thomas Jefferson owned slaves. They were slave and, and by the way, and by the way, that's just who we are as a country. Yeah, that's not okay. Yeah, yeah, that's, I mean, right. that happened at the time, right, and right. and it was accepted at the time. That doesn't mean that. Like, when we look back at it, we should say, well, that was okay. That's who we are as a country. We're a racist country that put black people into, like, uh, uh, like we owned black people in this country. That's what this country was built on.
0: Right. Our and until we accept that
3: did. and move forward and try and,
0: like, find right.
3: a, a, a clear path forward, we're going to be stuck in this but
4: I think routine most, forever. I
0: think, I think most Americans have accepted that. You go to Mount Vernon. They don't hide the fact that he had slaves he freed his slaves, by the way. You got yeah, the, sure. You got to Monticello, they don't hide the fact. We know that. But there's a big difference between owning slaves and wanting to destroy this country right. so half of that could continue to own slaves. Yeah. No. There's just no equivalency at all. No. And, and the fact that he would put those two together, I, I mean, it's... It's unbelievable. Well, he learned it from Fox News on Monday night. And he learned it from Fox News on Monday night. This is Martha McCallum talking, of course, to the scholar, greatest scholar and the greatest intellect of all time, Newt Gingrich.
1: Where are you going to stop it? You want to say, what if you weren't sensitive enough to the Holocaust? We should take down all the statues of Franklin Delano Roosevelt. You can make an argument for that. I mean, well, you could make an argument list, for Thomas Jefferson and, and George Washington, history, uh, you know, I mean, do, are you going to change the name well, of the Washington Monument or you going to... Yeah, absolutely. That's my point.
3: He, he is a Fox News president. He gets everything that he says, everything that he speaks in front, of, in front of a crowd, in front of an audience, he heard it on Fox News already. And that's dangerous.
0: Yeah. That's uh, really dangerous. And of course, there was a lot of reaction to the uh, president's news conference yesterday that came from uh, many, many Republican senators. Uh, Marco Rubio, Orrin Hatch, John McCain, and, and others, t- t- Corey Gardner, the ones that pop into my head, uh, saying this, uh, even, even that weasel Paul Ryan uh, had to come out and say, no, 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 we're talking white supremacists here. Let's not cloud the issue. Let's just say they were wrong. They should have been there. They're responsible. Call evil evil. Blame them. Don't try to blame me. They anybody get no credit, else. by the way. By not the way, my book. I they give, get zero credit from I me. I give them zero credit as well because these are the guys who vote for everything Donald Trump wants and who support him no matter what the hell he says.
3: We knew this is who he was. This is not a shock to me. And, I don't know. Yeah. There are a lot of people who were surprised at his comments yesterday. Yeah. Not me. <laughs> I saw this coming from a mile away. I know you did too. I know a lot of people that listen and watch this yeah. show do. Yeah. This is exactly who we thought he was.
0: Exactly. The presidents knew at this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah Paul. Mm-hmm. Can I
3: yeah, but, t- talking about reaction by the way, just really quickly. I want to read the leads from the New York Times, Washington Post, the LA Times and the Sun Times this morning. Uh first of all from the New York Times. Given one more chance to forcefully condemn the neo Nazis and white supremacists whose rally in Charlottesville, Virginia ended a, in violence and a counter protesters' death, Trump angrily insisted, as he had suggested on Saturday, that both sides were equally to blame, a false equivalency that not just his critics, but also an increasing yeah. number of his supporters have urged him to abandon. Uh, onto the Washington Post very quickly. Tuesday was a great day for David Duke and racists everywhere. The president of the United States all but declared that he has their backs.
0: He has their backs, to right. To
3: the L.A. Times, can it really be true that he doesn't see much difference between Nazis and white supremacists on the on the other hand, and their opponents from the Chicago Sun-Times. Just when we thought President Donald Trump could embarrass our nation, no worse, after he declined for two full days to announce the white supremacists who brought deadly violence to Charlottesville, Virginia, and after doing so only with pouting reluctance, reading from a script, he revealed his true self again on Tuesday, and it was ugly. Yeah. Those are the four biggest newspapers in America and how they looked at what happened yesterday.
0: Brutal, brutal, and he did, however, uh, get some get some praise. Yes, uh, his remarks uh, yesterday were immediately praised by D- David Duke, who congratulated him and thanked him for telling the truth, because he said the KKK is not all bad; they're only partly responsible. And Richard Spencer, also the leading spokesperson for the alt right. Um, uh, one of America's leading racists. Also, praise the president for his remark. What, what, of, America, so
4: what of America's st- leading racists.
0: So, yeah, there like you Like, that's a title. Yeah. Jeez. So there you are, right, that the president of the United States comes out and gets the bank. By the way, I don't come back to the New York Times, too, because our friend Glenn Thrush, uh, I thought, also said it well in his analysis uh, yesterday President Trump buoyed the white nationalist movement on Tuesday as no president has done in generations, equating activists protesting racism with the neo-Nazis and white supremacists who rampaged in Charlottesville, Virginia, over the weekend. No president has given the white supremacist movement such support and such backing as Donald Trump did yesterday, and as the Washington Post also says in its editorial, Peter, a little beyond where you read, when the nation's leader does not understand, right, what's happening, the nation can only weep.
3: I'm uh, I- I'm reminded of after uh, Charleston at Mother Emanuel. Yeah, right. And Barack Obama went to Charleston and gave one of the most amazing speeches I've ever, ever seen in my ever, entire life. Ever, ever, Gave a eulogy. <laughs> we remember he sang Amazing Grace. Uh, he told stories about all the people who were gunned down in cold blood. And we went from there a couple years ago to this. Well, And that is just about as depressing uh, uh, <laughs> of a look back as I could possibly conjure up. But,
0: but you go back. I mean, this is one thing um, that... At one time, the presidency, let me put it this the presidency brings with it a certain cachet of moral leadership and moral responsibility. And you either, and there are moments when you are called upon to exercise that. Ronald Reagan did when the Challenger exploded and gave an incredible eulogy. Uh, and, and and brought the nation together. Sure. Uh, at, at at that moment, uh, Bill Clinton did in Oklahoma City after the bombing of the Albert Moore Federal, federal Building. And you're right, Barack Obama. And I'm, I'm I know I'm forgetting others, but uh, Barack Obama certainly did at Mother Emanuel. You're president uh, for right? of everybody. Right. Donald Trump had such a moment this weekend, and instead he embraced. The skinheads, the neo-Nazis who caused the violence, the KKK, gave them support that they have not had in this country, legitimized them uh, in a way they've not been in this country for 50, 60 years or more. Right. And now there's been a lot of response to this. As we said, on the part of Democrats and Republicans uh, and editorials around the country, Uh, I want to give you my response to this uh here's my response to this Donald Trump is no is not my president I I you know I never said that about Ronald Reagan or about George HW Bush or about George W Bush. I want to say it loud and clear about Donald Trump he is not my president. I accept the fact that he is the president by the way, which is more than he would ever say about Barack Obama no. that because of the... Electoral College, a minority of the American people were able to get him the office of the presidency. So I I accept that, the legality of it. But I cannot accept, uh, as my president, a man who doesn't know the difference between, again, George Washington and Thomas Jefferson, who founded this country, and Robert E. Lee, who tried to destroy it. You know, uh, I I can't accept uh, a man who as my president, a man who defends people who march through Charlottesville chanting, Jews will not replace us, and gives them any legitimacy whatsoever? No, Donald Trump. Both sides were not responsible for this violence. And no, Donald Trump, there were not good people and bad people on both sides. No, Donald Trump, you are dead ass wrong. You are not my president. Period.
3: We're on Twitter, by the way, at BP Show, at BP Show. Uh, where Crystal says uh, the info and the facts were already there. Too many folks didn't do their homework when it comes to Donald Trump. We knew this is who he was. Paul Summers asks, "How long does Gary Cohen, Steve Mnuchin, etc. Oh, stay? How long can they work <laughs> for this man? I don't know. He, he's capable of pretty pretty terrible stuff. We've seen already." <laughs> KG says, "If we're honest, this country was founded on genocide." Steve Mnuchin, by Go the ahead. Way. Go ahead. Who
0: stood there? Oh, I yeah. think he's a snake.
3: Oh, oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, anybody that stood up there with Trump while this was going on. Yeah. And Elaine Chao he, he's, with that he's, grin he's, on her face. Oh, yeah. And oh, Steven yeah, Mnuchin. Oh, yeah, and, yeah, and yeah, Gary Cohen, was really, it was really interesting to see. He was standing right next to Steven yeah, Mnuchin. Yeah. And then he started slowly <clears throat> sort of fading out of the shot.
0: Mnuchin bit. loves this glory, loves that spotlight. Loves he will stay until the bitter end.
3: KG says, if we're honest, this country was founded on genocide and built by slavery. Uh, and yeah. Rob... Right says, I believe he's using, uh, keeping the statues as an excuse for himself for his beliefs, which I think is is actually really interesting. I don't think that Trump understands the big picture here. I think he's seen the fight over the statues, and that's the hill he wants to die on. He's putting all of this into the, these protesters were there because they didn't (laughs) want to see the statue taken down, and that's... Mm -hmm. All they believe in. He doesn't see the long game of like what what that actually means and what yeah, their beliefs right. really are.
0: Oh, okay, I get it. So uh, I don't like this. Um, um, so I I don't like the fact that they're going to take this statue of Robert E. Lee down. So I'm going to go to Charlottesville and I'm going to chant: "Jews will not replace us. Yeah. Jews will not replace yeah, us." Yeah, because I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm 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 a maybe... lover of history. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Jews
3: will not replace us. Yeah, this is just history and Jews, Jews. will not.
0: Dressing all white with torches. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm just a a fan of history and Robert E. Lee, so therefore I'm going to go to Charlottesville and carry swastikas. Yeah. Oh, of course. There's some good people in that group. There's some good people in that group, right? Why why didn't I get the connection? Right. Right. The uh, in fact, the New York Times this morning has a has a whole page of all of the symbolism that these people were carrying. There's a lot of. Stuff, medieval stuff. There, that's really, really kind of ugly. I didn't know what all these symbols meant. That they, they out, out, you know, outline them all. Tell exactly, into exactly what is going on. Uh, by the way, we mentioned yesterday, and I, I do want to get this in uh, that several CEOs had quit the manufacturing council. We know the head of Intel, the head of Merck, the head of Under Armour, uh, the head of the American Association of Manufacturers, uh, and I did point out uh, that I was disappointed that Richard Trumpka, head of the AFL-CIO, had not stepped down. Uh, he did. Yesterday afternoon, Richard Trumpka and Thea Lee, there were two members from the AFL-CIO uh, on the uh, president's uh, manufacturing council. Uh, they both uh, has quit, well, <coughs> pardon me, there are now six who have resigned in protest to the president's not standing up to the uh, um, alt-right, if you will, in Charlottesville The president yesterday attacked them as grandstanders and said, yeah, they can go away, but there are plenty of other people willing to take their place.
3: Anybody, anybody that stands with Donald Trump, joins his administration, joins one of his councils, goes out there and says that you're an ambassador for his business plan or whatever, anybody that does that, shame on you. Yeah. Shame on you.
0: Uh And, you know, he asked this question yesterday, where does this stop? You know where it stops? It stops when when Republicans in the Congress finally get enough backbone or a big enough set of balls to stand up and say, we do not accept this man as the leader of our party. We disassociate ourselves from him, and we'll get rid of him in any way we can. And until that happens, we're stuck.
3: I got a bad feeling that we're going to be stuck for it's, a while. It's y'all. not enough
0: for Republicans simply
4: to tweet and no. condemn. Right. No, I mean it's it's almost right. like going back to the thoughts and prayers argument,
0: right? It is. After after it is. the
4: mass shootings, they thoughts and stop. prayers are
0: not enough. They got to stop voting for him or voting with him. They got us stop showing up at the White House, and you know, going to these phony uh, photo ops and everything, standing with him they got to stop inviting him up to the Congress. They just have to disassociate himself completely, cut themselves off from Donald Trump. That's the only way it's going to end, short of our chance to get rid of him um, in 2020.
4: Can I add one more quick note here? Uh, Just one positive from overnight. Baltimore
0: removing uh,
4: four Confederate monuments overnight. By the
0: way, overnight, uh, in the middle of the night, and I would have to say good for Larry Hogan. The governor of maryland he knew it was the right thing to do he just did it we'll uh, <clears throat> see what donald trump has to say about that jessica uh jessica Scholberg joins us next from huffington post foreign affairs reporter uh who's been looking at some of the people around donald trump and their ties to the alt-right quick break we'll be right back with the bill press show
2: let me thank the president of the united states donald trump let's give him a hand Get social with Bill Press. Like us at Facebook.com slash Bill Press Show. This is The Bill Press Show. Same great show, new great channel. Stream live video at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show.
0: On a Wednesday, O-og- I keep saying October. It's not
3: October, <laughs> damn it. Almost.
0: I wish. We even have September to go before October, right? Oh, hey, hello everybody again. On a Wednesday, August 16, the Bill Press Show. Live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, our studio right here on Capitol Hill. Right in the heart of the action, usually in Washington, although now Washington's the quiet place with the House, the Senate, The president and the vice president out of town, but we're here to bring you the news of the day, brought to you today by Amalgamated Bank. Yes, you progressives all across the country looking for a bank where you can bank and be proud to be a proud progressive at the same time. That's Amalgamated for almost a century now. It's been the bank of choice for progressive individuals and organizations nationwide. Check it out at AmalgamatedBank.com. Jessica Schulberg joining us from Huffington Post. Uh, on more about Charlottesville and Donald Trump and the people around him. Hi, Jessica. Nice to see you. Thank you. We haven't had a chance yet to talk about um, one man who was uh, standing off to the side at the news conference yesterday, staring at his shoes. This was the man who was going to rein in Donald Trump and make sure that everything now happened by the books. And so what would never happen would be that the president would go down to make a statement about infrastructure and ending up praising the kkk instead in effect uh what do you think john kelly's thoughts are today
5: uh, i mean we, we got a glimpse of it in the nbc video he just looked <coughs> horrified like yeah. there was this kind of like wave <laughs> of anxiety crossing over his face he was looking down at his <laughs> shoes his arms were crossed i mean he yeah. looked how we all felt um, and when he was when he was asked to take this job, you know, he, he asked a lot of his friends, should I do it? And everyone said, no, like that. There's no way that you come out of this clean. Look at other respectable people like H.R. McMaster. You know, maybe Mattis is one of the few who has been able to sort of preserve his reputation because he yeah, has a little bit yeah. of distance and independence uh-huh. from the president. But if you're in Trump's inner circle, I mean, you're you're going down with him. Um, so you got to be wondering if he's regretting taking this job. I mean, he's by all accounts a very respected man with support on both sides of the aisle, which is increasingly unusual in Washington.
0: Well, Chuck Todd said something interesting on MDC News last night uh, to Lester Holt. He said, um, "He th- he said I think this is what we should be looking for." He said to see. who wouldn't be surprised if rumors, reports, we hear start hearing soon that John Kelly is on the phone trying to convince certain key staffers and members of the administration not to quit.
5: Yeah, I mean, that would be interesting. And I was wondering
0: whether John Kelly is gonna be asking himself, should I quit? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it
5: really is a strange moral dilemma. You know, there, there, I think there is, or maybe there was a compelling moral argument at some point that Trump is going to have people around him. And if you're kind of a <coughs> duty to country kind of man, like John Kelly, as he spent decades in public service, <coughs> um, You could kind of talk yourself into believing that it's better that I'm around him than somebody who's less Mm -hmm. smart and capable and moral than me. Right. Um, I think James Comey did that for a while before he was fired. You know, he didn't speak out about all these kind of missteps by Trump because he thought he and he alone perhaps Mm -hmm. could prevent Trump from doing more damage. Um, Once it becomes clear that you can no longer or that you cannot have a positive effect on the president's behavior and his policies... I think any moral person must be asking themselves at what point do I just become complicit in all this?
0: Right. And it was also I thought very um, significant that Trump um, he, he planned this yesterday. I mean he had those a copy of his remarks on mm-hmm. Saturday in his pocket. Mm-hmm. So when he went down there, he, he knew what he was going why he was going down there. He had no intention of talking about infrastructure. No. this was his chance to get even and mm-hmm. and basically, get out of the box because they put him in a box mm-hmm. on Monday where they made him read it. Maybe it was Kelly who said, no, mm-hmm. this is important that you get this right. Read it from the teleprompter.
5: And if you just watch Trump's expression yeah. on, on the day where he's saying the KKK is bad, neo-Nazis are bad, he's so clearly just reading word for word. Right. It's not natural. It's not coming from him. And yesterday, I think it was the most Trump. passionate I've seen him yeah. in a long time, yeah. including when he's defending these really <laughs> terrible allegations about collusion with Russia. Like He was more riled up about this
3: oh yeah, yeah. it yeah. was it was his body yeah. language and his tone and all of that yesterday i was watching just going like he is so Damn. excited so
5: revved up about to this. talk
3: about this of yeah. all things it was remarkable
5: he had kind of a throwaway line like "Ah, can't get a question about infrastructure like he didn't want to talk about infrastructure.
3: but like, <laughs> no. but like g- yeah. g- bring this back to john kelly for a mm-hmm. second like this is the problem <laughs> this is who trump is that right. cake is baked
5: and even if you do talk him into saying something halfway <clears throat> reasonable one day. That just, that just makes him mad. Yeah. He doesn't like being no, He, he just, gets, he bottled like, yeah. just right, gets bottled
3: up. It right, just gets bottled up and then right. it just pops like it did yesterday.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: So the one question that we've been asking the last couple of days um, is, um, speaking about people who may not be around much longer, what happens to Steve Bannon? Where is Steve Bannon? Why isn't he in Bedminster? Why isn't he at Trump Tower? Uh, that question came up uh, yesterday and you have to say... Um, It wasn't exactly a ringing endorsement of Steve Bannon. It wasn't a condemnation either, Mm -hmm. but he kind of left him twisting in the wind. Here he is. He's a good
1: man. Uh, He is not a racist, I can tell you that. He's a good person. He actually gets a very unfair press in that regard. (laughs) <laughs> oh, is
5: yeah, right. if someone's asking uh, how i do at my job i hope my boss says well, yeah <laughs> she's not a racist
0: <laughs> she's a good
3: yeah. woman she's not a racist she's not not a racist, a
1: racist. Not a not racist. A racist. i can <laughs> tell you that i he's can a tell good you person believe, believe me, me. <laughs> she
0: is not a racist and then went on <laughs> to say we'll see what happens with mr Banner. yeah
5: which we've heard that before i mean we've heard let's see what happens but
0: again isn't that i mean he's the guy's boss, right? Mm-hmm. We'll see what happens.
5: He likes that. He likes to have this reality show mentality of, will he make it to the next right. episode? Of the dun, next. Dun, dun. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, that's exactly what it is, isn't it? So. Uh, what What's your take on, on Bannon? Is he in or out?
5: Jeez. I've learned to stop making predictions about anything White this White House does. Smart. This is the smart.
0: Washington parlor game, of
5: course. Right. right, I remember when I cracked a beer after work one day saying, Trump's definitely not going to bomb Syria and then had to write a, a story about him bombing Syria two beers deep. So I don't make predictions. I think, I think if Bannon was going to go, we probably would have seen it by now. I think McMaster's kind of um, the, the momentum behind that purge can only go on for so long, especially mm-hmm. as he becomes mm-hmm. more and more under fire. Um, I, I think Trump really, really respects and trusts Bannon. And I think even if he gets to the point where he does think Bannon's doing harm, uh, this guy can wreak a lot of havoc on the outside. And I think there's got to be some people who are saying maybe we keep him on the inside where he at least, you know, if he blows up the ship then he goes down with it. That's no longer the case if he leaves. He has the backing of a very powerful Mercer couple, a lot of money. He yeah. has an entire media outlet who can turn on Trump at any second. I mean, that's that's a dangerous situation for the administration.
0: Does he have the backing of the most powerful couple, meaning Jared and Ivanka?
5: Not as far as I can tell. Mm-hmm. Not as far as I can tell. I think that they... I don't buy into all this like Jared and Ivanka are these wonderful moderating people who are trying to get Trump to behave but I do think that they operate more within the realm of like normal Washington civility like we shouldn't say blatantly racist things we should like put up good appearances we want to be able to go to the Four Seasons and schmooze with people and not have people be like who are these crazy people Um, and Bannon's definitely not not in that circle he's not trying to do that
0: Mm -mm. so um, isn't it what does it say about a person's character or personality that the only reason you would keep him is because you'd be afraid that he would do more damage on the outside than on the inside
3: yeah
5: means you're a good political operator right (laughs) god
0: doesn't speak well for yeah
4: by the way regarding bannon's future back on july 25th donald trump said this about jeff sessions
5: Uh, but
1: we will see what happens time will tell
4: Oh yeah, Jeff so Sessions is still around, right? So, yeah, you're what, right. what he did does, he say
5: about Mike Flynn?
6: <laughs> I that. No, it's <laughs> true.
0: Uh, he He's does, not a racist.
6: <laughs> uh, he does like we'll to, see what happens.
5: <laughs> yeah,
0: does like to play that game. Uh, New York Times reports this morning, and you've you've been writing about it. That one of the last things that uh, President Obama did is he approved a uh, a program. I believe it was in the Department of Justice. Department
5: of Homeland Security. Homeland Security. I'm of.
0: Right. To investigate these white supremacy groups, right?
5: Yes, sorry, I was thinking you were talking about the CVE program. Um, That may have been indeed.
0: The the, the white supremacy.
5: Oh, so that's not quite investigating the groups. It's more, the idea was, and it was actually kind of initially more based in countering uh, terrorism broadly. Um, it's called the Countering Violent Extremism Program. And the idea that, was that we can't counter terrorism just through military approaches. Right. There needs to be oh. a community-based approach. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So Congress passed $10 million and said to DHS disperse this money to groups throughout the country who are doing good work in preventing quote-unquote violent extremism. Um, so the Obama mm-hmm. administration's DHS picked, I want to say 26 groups, but that might not be exactly right. And they awarded this money to these groups uh January, right before Obama left office. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Most of the groups that got money were law enforcement or groups that kind of, you know, mosques, uh, groups that work with the Muslim community. Uh, There was one group called Life After Hate, which was supposed to get a $400,000 grant. Uh, This group is founded by former white supremacists and neo-Nazis who have left this movement long ago, and now they work to do outreach and kind of de-radicalize people who are white supremacists. And
0: also to expose them, don't they? Um,
5: I think they're more... They do, but it's it, it, it's honestly more about almost rehabilitation. They say yeah. these people usually either have mental instability, like that. difficult family lives. Right. Like, let's try to help them get out of this path and do something else.
0: Uh, and so what happened to this grant?
5: So the all the awardees were publicly announced in January. They were all notified by DHS, you're going to get your money. You know, they they'd submitted these very long proposals of what they would do with the money. Um, Obama leaves, Trump comes in. Um, I should back up. During December, during the transition, Catherine Gorka, who may sound familiar because of Sebastian Gorka, she's oh, his boy. wife, um, she was on the transition team doing a DHS transition for Trump. Uh, she comes in and she tells the is DHS... Is she still
0: a member of the Trump administration? Yes,
5: she's in DHS right now. She's an advisor. Um, she comes in and she says, you know, the way you guys, the way the Obama administration is doing <coughs> this whole countering violent extremism mm-hmm. thing is all wrong. You're talking about it wrong. Okay, okay. You know, she wants it to be more about radical Islam and, like, how scary Muslims are. Oh, not um, about white supremacy. Not about white supremacist. She says oh, no, of course you should expect right. a lot of changes. Uh, come, none of these groups are getting their money. You know, reporters are calling them saying, "Like, hey, have you gotten your money? Do you know what's going on? There's all these rumors that the program's going to get scrapped altogether. Um, find out it can't because Congress is appropriated the money, so they have to spend it. So then there's discussion within the White House and DHS of changing the program from countering violent extremism, CVE, to countering Islamic extremism or countering radical Islam, like make it Mm. inherently Mm. about Muslims. Mm. Um, In the end, they don't actually change the name of the program, but they decide they're going to revet every single group that was supposed to receive money. And they come out with a new list in June, which had a lot of the same recipients, groups that deal with law enforcement, et cetera. Um, but life after hate didn't get money, um, and other groups that would counter radical Islam but have more of a community-based approach—they don't want to work with law enforcement—they also had their money cut. Um, and so now, life after hate is actually trying to crowdfund that money. Um, they've said it actually won't affect their operations too much, but you know the optics of it—the optics of having the Trump administration cut these guys off—what is it, six weeks before the Charlottesville attacks—is just right, crazy. Right,
0: that these are the very groups that would be working with. Some people who might join mm-hmm. a Charlottesville riot to rally or something say, "No, this is not the way to go. Mm-hmm. This is wrong. This is un-American." you ought to be, you know. And I
5: should add that even under the Obama administration, there was a ton of criticism from the Muslim American community about the CVE program because Life After Hate was the only recipient that focused exclusively on white supremacy. You know, some law enforcement agencies obviously do work on that, but the grant program was very, very, very specifically overwhelmingly targeting groups that were focusing on um, Muslims, to be honest. Um, So a lot of groups like CARE, the Council on American-Islamic Relations, they wouldn't apply for grants. Um, A lot of Muslim American community groups really looked down upon colleagues who did accept this money because they saw the whole program as sort of targeting Muslims or saying Mm -hmm. that Muslims are the only source of violent extremism. So it was a good step that the Obama administration was working with Life After Hate, but it right. was four hundred thousand out of ten million dollars. So,
0: but even that is gone.
5: And that's gone. Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. Um, so, Catherine—that's her name, Catherine, Catherine Gorka. Gorka. She's at DHS, mm-hmm. and her husband, Sebastian Gorka, is in the, the White Deputy
5: House, Deputy Assistant to the President.
0: Uh, he's like Bannon Light, isn't he? I
5: mm-hmm. actually have a story about he... him coming out this morning. He's
0: Oh, good. Tell us.
5: So they both... I mean,
0: I shouldn't call him Bannon Light because I think he's a...
5: He's just less well-known than Bannon.
0: <laughs> less well-known. Yeah, I think, no. he got less of
6: a profile Less well-known. Less, yeah.
0: well less known money known. attached to him. Yeah, right, right, But right. Uh, equally a true believer.
5: Mm-hmm. So it's interesting. He, I mean, I don't know how far back you want to go, but there's been all this really Who great... is he? There's been all this. He was born in Britain to Hungarian parents. His father, uh, according to Sebastian, fought against the communists during the 1956 revolution in Hungary. And he talks a lot about how that cemented his sort of like pro-Western, anti-communist ideals. Um, he goes and he, he goes to Hungary in around two, early 2000s, and he starts teaming up with all these really far-right Hungarian political groups. Um, he founds the political party with these guys that were from a different party called Jobbik, and it's like a very anti-Semitic party. He um, comes out in favor of this Hungarian militia group that was later banned in Hungary for being too racist. I mean, he was really dealing with some weird characters in Hungary, uh, goes on to get his PhD from a Hungarian university in political science, and then comes to the U.S. and sort of fashions himself as this terrorism expert. He doesn't speak Arabic. He spent close to no time in the Middle East. Um, and his whole his whole premise is that Islam is inherently a violent religion, and the only way that we can beat terrorism is to treat Islam itself as an ideological mm. threat, similar to the way we treated communism as an ideological threat. It wasn't during the Cold War. It wasn't like oh, you know, some communists are radical. We treated the whole communist ideology as something we needed to fight against, and he thinks that's how we should be approaching uh, the quote unquote war on terror. Um, so he started out with a few kind of respectable teaching jobs. He was at the National Defense University, which is a very good institution. I mm-hmm. um, talked to a lot of his colleagues there who said, you know, he seemed a little conservative, but he definitely was an extremist. He taught the same syllabus we did, which mm-hmm. teaches that all these social factors, you know, economy, corruption, limited opportunity, can contribute to radicalism. It's not just religiously motivated. Um, he leaves there after six years goes on to the marine corps university foundation which is a private group funded by this um republican donor uh thomas sanders III, and he he has this kind of salary to go and give guest lectures at the marine corps university and there he kind of gets a little more radical
0: never heard of the marine corps university it's not is quite
5: it's... as established i mean they have really good professors and they have
0: but this isn't like West Point. It's not like
5: West Point. It's more for like mid-career Marines who are maybe going on to their get officer, get get their next yeah, level. They go yeah. and they take these classes. And Sebastian would go and give all these lectures about Islam. And there you hear a lot of his former colleagues say like, oh, God, he was really kind of oversimplifying the threat from from radical Islam, you know, quote unquote. Um, He starts writing a lot in Breitbart, he starts going on Fox News all the time, he publishes this book about how to defeat radical Islam. And by 2015, the Trump administration says like, hey, we really like how this guy is talking about Islam. campaign. Sorry, campaign. Um, They bring him on as a paid advisor. Mm. Um, And since then, you know, he's just kind of always been at the president's side. He's he's now in the White House. It's not clear what he does, because he (laughs) doesn't have a security clearance, which would make it very hard to do any type of national security work. can't sit on meetings, you can't read most of the relevant information. Um, people who have, you know, seen him in the White House, so he kind of just wanders around cafeteria yeah. doing his thing, going on TV. He's on TV a lot. Yeah.
0: No, I see him on TV and you never mm-hmm. know exactly what his role is, mm-hmm. right? Or who he's speaking for.
5: I mean, he's just, he's very forceful. He's very eloquent. He has this, like, theatrical delivery. He's really good at, like, making threats sound very scary and urgent and immediate. Um, he's, like, He's like this weird combination of likable because he's so theatrical in his delivery and very mm. dislikable because he's so arrogant. <laughs>
3: That's it's, a really good way to put it. It's a
5: somewhat it. effective um, rhetoric style. I and, like,
3: and, and like and like there, there's so much about him because like in the lead up to where we are now, where we're actually seeing, you know, the president defend white supremacists and, and borderline and not so borderline Nazis mm-hmm. like Sebastian gorka has ties mm-hmm. to oh, the yeah, Nazi awesome. the Nazi underworld right like he proudly wears a pen uh from the um rent Vitenzi rent Ren. Vitenzi Ren. yeah 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 which yeah. is a, which is a Nazi organization and he was asked about it and, and and pretty much said like yeah I'm proud to wear this this is
5: so he denies that he was a member. The, the The group itself in Hungary has said he's a member. Um, he says it was his father's pin and that his father had it for his work against communism because the group was anti-communist, but the group was also a Nazi collaborator during World War II. Um, so like, let's say we believe him. Let's say that like he doesn't hate Jewish people, which by all accounts, all of people who don't like him say that he's never said anything bad about Jews. Let's say that he really, really isn't an anti-Semite. We're, really?
3: we're giving so many people credit for getting over such a low right, bar today. But like,
5: why on earth are you wearing this <laughs> pin? That, regardless of what it means to you, represents to most people right. support for a group that collaborated with the Nazis. You know, and if somehow he didn't know that, you'd think when people say like, "Hey, you know that that group is a Nazi collaborator," you'd think he'd say, "My bad, I won't wear it in public anymore." But similar to Trump, he just doubles down and says like, "No, I will not be ashamed to wear my father's pin. This is my heritage." Well,
0: uh, what is frightening is that Sebastian Gorka has that, and Steve Bannon both uh, have those positions so close to Trump. Mm-hmm. You know, which again I think reflects who Trump really is. Mm-hmm. This is what he believes, and he likes these people around him, mm-hmm. uh, and he listens to them. And we saw that reflected in yesterday's comments mm-hmm. when Donald Trump, Donald Trump unhinged, unleashed, uh, off teleprompter, off script. You see the real Donald Trump in that case. Mm-hmm.
5: That's and what we saw. Going back to the Gorkas, I mean, Sebastian Gorka just last week was on Breitbart News Radio, I believe, um, and he was kind of making fun of journalists. I think he pointed to Maggie Haberman at The New York Times and said, oh, they're always talking about white supremacists as a threat. That's not the threat. That's not the problem. The problem is radical Islam. And he says this, you know, days before Charlottesville, um, he's he's kind of continuously diminish the threat from white nationalists. And then Catherine Gorka, his wife, um, after Charlottesville shared this this Fox News video as a Jesse Waters video on her Facebook um, that was very kind of like, yes, all sides are to blame. Like, why aren't we talking about the radical left that was attacking the, the, the alt-right? I mean, these people definitely share that worldview. Well,
0: Jesse Waters, uh, I think we had that clip, um, uh, Jamie, where, um, right, he... he, he he denies that there's any trace of racism in this country at all.
1: We can use the left's own rationalizations against them all day, but we
6: won't. It's tedious to listen to both sides fight over which side hates Nazis more. What we saw in Charlottesville were fringe fanatics who don't represent this country. America is not a racist nation. It's time we stop acting like it is.
0: Well, that's oh good my enough.
4: God.
0: <laughs> that's, yeah.
5: Sleep better at night now.
0: Yeah, we can put that to bed right now.
4: Yeah, I was. Well, if we ignore racism, it just goes away. So you know, everyone knows that.
0: Yeah. Duh. Duh. Yeah. Um. On a related front, perhaps we haven't talked about it because there's so much else to talk about every day. Um, what's happening with Robert Mueller and the uh, Russian investigation?
5: That's a good question. I was. I was just thinking yesterday. I wonder if Trump is more stressed out when. His support for Nazis is the top headline. Yeah, right. And his possible yeah. collusion with Russians is the top headline. Um, there hasn't been as much news breaking out of that, but I mean, mm-hmm. by all accounts, things are moving ahead. We we had the report recently that Paul Manafort's home was raided early in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, the implication there is that they're pursuing him, perhaps for his work with these Russian-aligned Ukrainian political parties. Uh, the raid sort of suggests that either he wasn't complying with turning over documents, or they didn't trust him to. Fully comply and not withhold information um, so I think it's safe to say we won't see any convictions coming anytime soon but things definitely seem to be moving ahead
0: but clearly uh, Mueller is on a tear I mean I mean yeah. he's, he, he, the momentum seems to be building right yeah definitely. he impounded a grand jury in Alexandria he's impounded mm-hmm. one in Washington DC mm-hmm. they raided Paul Manafort's home he's requested documents from the White House mm-hmm. they're talking about setting up some interviews in the White House and um, Trump's got to hear those footsteps.
5: Yeah. What's interesting, too, about the grand juries is obviously the proceedings within the grand jury is private. um, But you you just got to imagine there's going to be television cameras just camped outside the courthouse in Alexandria and in Washington, D.C. And it's hard to imagine that you won't have people walking out of there kind of instantly leaking what's going on there. So I think we can expect a bit more information once those get up and running.
0: Fake news. (laughs) news. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Uh, no that we will uh, that that is on its way you're right it, it's not going to go away mm-hmm. uh, and other things may once in a while divert our attention but it'll be coming right back. Jessica, good work on many fronts. Thanks so much for all your good reporting. You. Uh, it's Huffington Post Huffingtonpost.com come back and see us again and Van Newkirk joins us next from the Atlantic this here on the Bill, is press, the show. Bill press show. What's the difference between George Washington and Robert E. Lee? There is no difference, says Donald Trump. The man totally unhinged, totally unleashed, totally unworthy of being president of the United States. Hello, everybody. Wednesday, August 16, the Bill Press Show. This is it. Thanks for joining us as we bring you up to date on all the news of the day. Yes, indeed. Donald Trump's news conference yesterday where he was supposed to be talking about infrastructure, is the uh, number one story, but not the only one. (coughs) Now, there are six CEOs who have resigned from the president's Manufacturing Council. And the Congressional Budget Office says that if Donald Trump goes ahead and does what he had promised to do, which is get rid of the subsidies for Obamacare, That will mean a hike of premiums up to 20% more for average Americans who need a subsidy in order to buy health insurance next year. Uh, The CBO saying if he goes ahead with that, Donald Trump will succeed in his goal, really, of destroying Obamacare. All of that coming up, we'll bring you up to date with that. Van Newkirks joins us from The Atlantic. But first... This is the Full Court Press.
3: Just a couple of other stories making news. If you are in Washington, D.C. or in the area, and you have driven past the big Mormon temple, you've probably said it's a giant site, right? It looks like uh, Emerald City from Wizard of Oz. Right? You mean
0: out
4: on the Beltway?
3: Yeah, on the Beltway. That, that giant castle looking. Building.
4: I still remember it, seeing it for the first time, driving in from Maryland when I was a kid.
3: It's kind of a shocking scene when you drive by it. The Mormon temple uh, is quite a sight, but it you, you have to be a Mormon in order to get inside yes. and yes. see it. Yes. Uh-huh. That has always been the rule for the last 40 years uh-huh. until now. They are going to let non-Mormons no. inside to take a look at it. It's part of their uh construction because they're going to be doing some construction <clears throat> and they're going to let people come in and take a look at it and how it's been built and how it's being renovated. So they haven't let non-Mormons inside in the last 40 years and now you'll be able to go check it out.
0: Do you have to wear the magic underwear?
3: I don't think that's a requirement to get in, no what sir. A, what? I to, magic the
0: Mormon underwear. Mormon magic underwear? I didn't know about that. That's oh, a thing, man. Mormons wear, a, a, I don't know that much about yeah. it, but- You have to be have a Mormon to, wear, to wear,
3: it. wear it? Throw that into the Google There's special,
0: special underwear that Mormons uh, wear. All right. Yeah. Every yeah. time you see a Mormon, just know that they've got some special underwear. By the way, I was out for just a little walk in the neighborhood the other day, right near where you live, downstairs. Yeah, well, the church is right behind my apartment. I don't give oh, it away. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Seventh Street. There's a Mormon temple on Seventh Street, like two blocks from here. It's
3: like a It's like a like a building. The, the, the yeah. temple is like a giant. No, no. It looks like a castle. But it is a normal yeah. place yeah, yeah, of worship. Yeah yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, 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 It's a nice looking church. It's it, a nice it, looking structure. I'm not gonna lie. It, no, it is. I, I just didn't know it was there because I'm used to I'm seeing them like the Disney I'll castles. Strike you
3: with lightning <laughs> if you try and go in there. <laughs>
0: Listen, lightning would strike if I tried to go in any place. Yeah, I know. Yeah, just
3: about. (laughs) Hey, good morning, Baltimore. The sun is up, and it might look a little different around town. Four Confederate statues were removed early, early, early this morning, around 3.30 in the morning. Uh, They took down four Confederate statues all around town, including one of Robert E. Lee and Stonewall Jackson. Uh, These were put up. These monuments were put up as some of them as far back as 1887, uh, all the way up to 1948, when the uh, Robert E. Lee and Stonewall Jackson monument was put up. Like I said, 1948. So in the middle of the night, they went in, they took them out, put them on a flatbed truck, and took them away.
0: Good for yeah. Larry Hogan, yeah. The governor of Maryland, first thing he's ever done, I've agreed with. But the New York um, Times
3: makes an interesting point, by the way.
0: It Vir- can be done,
3: Virginia. Which has a ton of Confederate monuments, they actually have a law where you can't do this. Like you can't go at, in in the middle of the night. Like the governor doesn't have the power to go in, in the middle of the night, take them, and bring them away. Maryland has no such law, so they just went in and they just took them out.
0: Still, the idea that uh, he would do it, knowing he's going to get some backlash from, you know, some. Uh, I need life, a, well a Confederate
4: tracker online. Someone please create a tracker. I want to see how, how many them do come down. How are they
3: coming down?
2: On your radio, on TV, and online,
0: this is the Bill Press Show. Hey, here we go on Wednesday, August 16. Yes, indeed, uh, Donald Trump saying both sides are responsible for the violence in uh, Charlottesville, and um, that uh, the people, half the people down there, even on the among the alt right. They were there only to protest the taking down of the statue of Robert E. Lee. They had no other um, agenda at all. For the first time uh, in I don't know how many decades, uh, the president of the United States uh, has legitimized, if you will, the presence of the KKK uh, and white supremacists uh, and their, um, their whole movement. Van Newkirk joins us, staff writer for The Atlantic. Van, when you saw the president yesterday, what was your reaction? Uh,
7: That was my reaction. Um, Just I I had a long sigh. Uh, I I figured something like that was coming after uh, he did release the statement. What was it? uh, uh, Saturday. Saturday Saturday, And then then Saturday and then Monday saying, (coughs) okay, he he was... (laughs) Somebody held his feet to the fire, and he finally yeah, said yeah. He, he condemned white supremacy. And I, I knew when I heard that last statement, when I heard the sort of reluctance um, and mm-hmm. just a sort of delay in it, I knew that he was going to have to come back and basically say and make clear that nobody makes Donald Trump do anything. And this was a you know full-throated rejection of what he said in that speech basically you know both sides and then although he, he criticizes both sides he goes out and explicitly attacks people who are taking down Lee statues he, he takes the side of, of the, the let's be uh, generously call them alt-right people yeah. uh, in, yeah. in the park he takes their side on this and you know he uses the same exact rhetoric that people who are in those marches are saying okay oh you take down Lee, what's next? Washington, he's a slave owner too. And, it, and it's one of those things where this is clear and it, that Trump is not on the side of people who are fighting white supremacy right now. It, it, it's just clear. Um, I was in the Charlottesville community, the black community, mm-hmm. uh, earlier in this week, speaking to them, talking to people in barber shops and churches and other and, and meetings they were, were having. You there last weekend? Uh, I was not there during the weekend. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was, uh, we had a reporter who could blend in a little better than me down there <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> during the protest. Uh, but <laughs> I did go down and I, I spoke to people. I don't think we talked a lot about the people who were the victims of Nazis in the Klan who live in the Charlottesville community who had to go and see that resurgence, the largest white supremacist march in decades, happened outside their doorsteps. And I was there talking to them, and they're like, look, you know, this is, we live in a shadow of Lee. I was born in a shadow of Lee, and these people don't care. And finally there's a moment where our lives aren't being changed radically, but people finally started caring, and you have the president of the country basically saying, no, that concern is invalid. Mm-hmm. And that hurts a lot more for them than, than you know, I think people realize. I think people are so caught up in the optics of the moment that they don't realize that there are real communities down in the ground who are, you know, have always lived in the shadow of Confederate flags of Lee who are really afraid right now yeah. and who the president
0: has directly threatened their security. Right. Um, the, and these people who, who uh, were there, there's um, <laughs> so many dimensions of this, uh, th- 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 who who was behind this uh, protest which turned out to be the riot? I mean, who are these people and where did they come from?
7: So another thing that's lost in all this is that uh, the two of the main organizers of the uh, Unite the Right rallies- Unite the Right. Unite the Right were Jason Kessler and Richard Spencer who were both UVA graduates. Uh, they both come from the area, they know it well. They also, I think, have an intimate knowledge of how people would respond <coughs> to the Lee statue's removal, how people would come out of the woodwork for it. Um, yeah. yeah, This is, you know, it doesn't come out of nowhere. It, it, Charlottesville was a, the site for a reason. Um, and Charlottesville, I think, was thinking about getting rid of the Lee statue for the same reason. It is a center of sort of this burgeoning... Uh, white nationalist white supremacist movement, um, and then they were there you had Klan chapters coming from around the country You had neo-nazis coming from uh, the west coast uh, coming to join in and this w- what was billed as a national uh, Rally, and they came hmm and I think we saw you know 500 members or That's the estimate uh, 500 people participated in a rally. That's not big by any you know There's marches that are right. 20. Yeah. Yeah. 50 times larger than that, but Five hundred white supremacists in an area—that—that's especially to that
0: community. Uh, that's not nothing. And after Charlottesville, um, condemned by people on many on all sides, if you will, and I like to use that phrase, many sides. But in effect, supported by the president of the United States, they must feel emboldened now, right? I mean, they came out of the woodwork, and other than and as opposed to being condemned, right? Here they are saying, Yeah, look at these guys. They're 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 no worse than these people who want to take the statue down. Well, if you look back in history, you look at folks like George Wallace back
7: when he was governor of Alabama, right? And something he and the local legitimate quote unquote leaders would do is they would denounce the Klan regularly. They would say both sides. Yeah. The yeah. The, the the Klan uh-huh the super, you know, the, the radicals and the communists, and by communists they usually meant the NAACP,
5: right. they are causing, yeah. they
7: are causing yeah. this violence in Alabama. It is on, you know, the blood is on all of your hands. And the Klan members would take it as an endorsement. And they knew it was an endorsement. And they knew that by condemning the NAACP on the same grounds that you condemned people who bombed houses, you delegitimize a response to being bombed, right? And so what you see today is right after Trump had that statement, David Duke got on Twitter and said, you know, this is exactly what we're looking for. We thank the president for condemning the people on the other side. And it's the same exact type of response. The Klan historically has not looked for politicians to say we are Klansmen. We endorse the Klan. They've looked for politicians to basically not denounce the Klan. Yeah right to to come out and say that the people of the Klan were fighting mm-hmm. or who are fighting the Klan are just as bad as the Klan.
0: or have a legitimate protest a, a right. reason for being there or whatever um we we were we played this a little earlier you know friday night of course this started with these um, torches that they had the tiki torches from uh, from home depot um uh, well they were worried about mosquitoes i think you know, it's I not
3: know. funny but it's also kind of hilarious it is that kind that's of hilarious that's where that they these
0: went. who they are but anyhow so they're marching and they're chanting, um, and there's a little video from Vice. Uh, you can hear the chant change. It starts out with, I, I, I'm getting to the point of what, these pe- what their real agenda was, right? Because some people, I think Trump is trying to make the argument, it was just a difference over how we treat our history of our country, right, and some of these Confederate uh, personalities. Um, I think it's pretty clear. Listen to this. So they start out chanting. You will not replace us. It changes pretty quickly here. You, you will
2: not replace us. Replace us. You, you will not replace us. Jews will not replace us. Jews, Jews will
1: not replace us. Not replace us. us.
0: Yeah, and then uh, in that same little video uh, from Vice, um, Christopher Kentwell has suddenly emerged as one of the spokes another spokesperson for the alt right. Uh, he, he's happy with Donald Trump, but Donald Trump is not the person that they really want. You know, they really... The Donald Trump is just like a step toward the guy that they really want in the White House.
6: I'm here to spread ideas, talk, in the hopes that somebody more capable uh, will, will come along and do that. Somebody like Donald Trump who does not give his daughter to a Jew.
3: Good grief.
0: You can't... I mean, you can't get any more ugly than that. I mean, this is pure anti-Semitism, pure KKK, I mean pure, pure Nazi, all the way.
7: Right? Yeah, and I think the alt-right, whatever claim they had to legitimacy, to not being a part of, you know, they, they tried their hardest to disassociate themselves from the images of the Klan. But when you get out there and you have a rally with the Klan and you have people saying stuff like that, like, that's it. You yeah. are the Klan. Yeah. You are yeah. white supremacist. Right, and the blood is on your hands.
3: Yeah, like I, I find it all very, um, like the rhetoric, really getting ratcheted up. And I'm not saying on both sides. I'm really not saying on both sides. But like, there is a big difference, I think, between the argument about the Confederate monuments, right, which is like a real conversation, I think, that we should be having in America, right, and then the outright <laughs> racism and. White supremacy argument, which Donald Trump has just sort of like lumped it all together in his mind. This is an argument about an argument about Confederate monuments. I, I really think that's what he—that's how he's processed this. And like, I grew up in South Carolina. I've heard—I tweeted this yesterday. I've heard ham-fisted defenses of the Confederacy my entire life, and Donald Trump's comments yesterday were the least eloquent and least thought out that I've ever heard. Right. Like, I, I've i heard it. Right. I, I you, You've you heard it. I mean, we've all heard like and he just doesn't get it. He just doesn't get it.
7: Yeah. I actually think some of those more, you know, high minded defenses get undermined by Trump basically saying <laughs> totally. stuff like it, when he yeah, goes yeah, out and, and endorses the use of, you know, basically white supremacist protests to to defend it. You have all these people who are saying, oh, you know. We know that it was connected to slavery and the Civil War and white supremacy, but we still don't you know, support taking them down. It is a monument <laughs> to history and a, a significant portion of history in, in this
0: region. The, the thing that offends me the most, I think, is this moral equivalency that he keeps preaching. And first is the moral equivalency between this guy that we just heard, right, a clear anti-Semite, and Heather Heyer, who's this young woman who lost her life who just came out to say, no, this kind of KKK is wrong. That's not what America is all about, right? How can you say that you know they're equally responsible for the violence? Uh, this young woman who who lost her life with this terrorist, with this car. And the other is the moral equivalency between, uh, let's hear that clip, uh, Jamie, again, between George Washington and Robert E. Lee, right? That, oh, if you take down Robert E. Lee, then you have to take down... The, the Washington Monument in effect.
1: Was George Washington a slave owner? Yes. So will George Washington now lose his status? Are we gonna take down excuse me. Are we gonna take down are we gonna take down statues to George Washington? How about Thomas Jefferson? What do you think of Thomas Jefferson? You like him?
0: By the way, the whole tone. Trump's whole tone yesterday was so... Excuse me. Yeah, excuse me. Yeah, how (laughs) dare you? But this idea, right? We know that George Washington was a slaver, and we know Thomas Jefferson was. Yeah, we also know they're the founders of this country. Robert E. Lee tried to destroy this country so people could continue to own slaves.
7: Right, and I have have complicated thoughts about how we memorialize slave owners in this country, but that said, there is a very concrete difference between the reason, not, not just between the men, but between the reason why we have Washington statues and the reason why we have Lee statues, the reason why we have Lee statues, the reason why we have Jackson statues, the reason why there's a giant engraving of uh, leaders from the Klan, right, of Nathan Bedford Forrest, is to memorialize white supremacy. Not the founding of the country, not you know the, the high-minded ideals of the yeah. Constitution. The reason why, these, and you can see, The embrace of Confederate symbology, the embrace of the flag, the the creation of these statues occurs in waves in direct response to black political activism. So, Lots of them came about in the 20s when black people, Mm -hmm. also when immigrants became a big problem when the Second Klan came about. Uh, And lots of them came sort of during Reconstruction when people used them to symbolize the fact that they were taking back their state governments from Negro rule. Uh, so you look at these statues; were in thousands of them, were erected basically to symbolize that the South had actually not lost, mm-hmm. that that the 70-year reign of white supremacy that was unbroken until the civil rights movement in the South won, that they they actually had inherited the mantle from the Confederacy and they won, and that is what those statues that's what they celebrate. That that is their purpose. And so to argue against taking them down is to basically, you know, and Trump obviously has no command of this history or no deafness around no, the topic no. at all. That's an understatement. Right, right, <laughs> no, 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 But there is obviously a clear difference in meaning and tone and, and, and purpose of these statues. And, again, talking to a community of black people who live in, and, and always have lived in the statue of Lee, it's meant to celebrate... Their subjugation. Mm -hmm. That's it. That is the point. And so how do we reconcile that uh, and leaving them up with becoming the America I believe most of us want to become?
0: So now we have Donald Trump who is basically saying, sure, it's okay for all these white supremacists to hold their rallies all around the country. And we have to give them, treat them with respect and and consider them just... uh, just nothing but average Americans out there exercising their freedom of speech.
7: I can't cotton to that one. Um, again, it it boggles my mind that we don't, as a country, consider the Klan and neo Nazis terrorist groups, not hate groups, terrorists. Mm-hmm. And ask you know any black person born in the South before <laughs> the nineteen yeah. seventies, the Klan. They are terrorists, and there is no. By definition, that's what they do. That is the purpose of their their organization. They bombed hundreds of houses. They lynched people. they have responsible for probably thousands of black deaths over the course of their history. They are terrorists. And I would wager that people of their ilk have killed more Americans than any other terrorist in history. Why don't we consider them terrorists? Would you give ISIS a permit to march Virginia. The permit, yeah, yeah. the
3: permit argument that he made yesterday was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. That these count, like the counter protesters were there without a permit. These other guys, they were there with a permit,
0: right? Yeah. So,
3: like by that logic, if ISIS, as you said, had shown up <laughs> with a permit to, then that would have been totally okay, right?
0: Right. It also, it's so just they like, have one group has a permit to hold a rally, and if anybody disagrees with them or whatever, and sh- just have an American, and happens to show up in their own community, or even not their own community, with a different point of view, if you didn't have a permit yourself, yeah. then you know, you're know you just as bad as the other guy.
3: And, and I'm hardly the first person that... to make this point, but like, yeah, Donald Trump, his entire presidency, I think has been defined by his knee-jerk reaction to things. The media, terrible people. You know, he, beating up on Kazir uh, Khan, right? Just immediately going like launching into war with these people that come across him that he disagrees with, but the moment that we get to actual white supremacists, the moment that we get to actual people who are like their long-term goal is the genocide of anybody who is not white, he gets very careful with his words. He disappears. Um, yeah, yeah. He, all of a sudden, he can pick and choose his words very carefully. Oh, yeah. It's remarkable.
7: He attacks the people who leave his commission much yeah. more forcefully than he does white supremacists. And, and much
3: more quickly.
0: Much more quickly. Fifty-four minutes it took him to attack uh, Rod Fraser, Ken Fraser, I guess. It Ken Fraser,
3: who yeah, Frazier. who, who I, d- I didn't know until I went and Googled him. Wow, shock. Yeah, he's shocked. a black guy. He's black. I am stunned.
0: <laughs> uh, um, I just like I think it, that the it, one th- I think he, the
3: one thing that Trump did yesterday is he made a very, very clear line, right? And I think that there's been a line for the, this the whole Trump presidency, but I think never more than now he defined it very clearly. You are either with Trump, which means you will tolerate white supremacists, white nationalists, whatever you want to call them, racists, Nazis, KKK, whatever you want to call them. You're with him and will give them room to, to, to work or you're against them. And Trump did that to himself. And anybody that stays with Trump and anybody that supports Trump and anybody uh, that votes for Trump and anybody that works on his agenda at all, you're working with that.
0: Uh, and that's it. Yeah. I, I was going to ask you that. So what is your take on these mealy mouth Republicans now? You know, some of them, some of them may have been bold enough to say this wasn't right. He shouldn't have said that. But none of them have really broken with him.
7: I think we'll look back on this last year as the era of grave concern. Uh, <laughs> lots God. of people expressing grave concern. Yeah. Uh, right. Lots of people saying, you know, we. and I think to their credit, these are some of the stronger expressions of grave concern of people who are coming out and saying, you know, Trump is wrong. I think Paul Ryan actually had the best statement I've seen from Republicans, uh, you know, saying white supremacy is Bad, you know, and, and basically that we should condemn it and that yeah, Republicans should condemn said the same thing the after
0: the Access Hollywood tape, of course.
7: I get, you know, that these are then mostly, mostly puffed up, meaningless things yeah. because you'll see how it works when they vote. Yeah, uh, When yeah. legislative action comes back to the fore of news, when they need to get a win, as they call it. Uh, I haven't seen any indication that there will co- be anything of substance to come from these statements. Trump clearly doesn't listen to them. He clearly doesn't care about them. Right. Uh, and so if you really want to go out and protect these communities the way you say you want to, uh, the way you say you want to go out and say white supremacy is bad, I think you've got to start issuing ultimatums to the president. you got to start stop working with the president. You've got to say, look, we're not going to – I get it. You're Republicans. This is your party. You're not going to pass up on the opportunity to pass laws while you have power. But, you know, at some point you got to take a stand. Yeah. And if you really want to protect the people who were hurt by not only what he said, but what he endorsed, and the people who are going out there and doing the work of white supremacy, you got to say, "Look, why is the DOJ doing these things to roll back the civil rights movement? Why, why are we uh, putting forward these policies that would undoubtedly uh, kill people of color? Why, why are we going against? Why are we not listening to those communities?" And, and I think uh, until you start moving in that direction, Statements are just statements, and again, Trump does not listen to them. So what, why do they matter?
0: Right. Uh, can you help us with this, Van Newkirk, who is from The Atlantic, theatlantic.com, of course. Trump used a, a phrase yesterday that I've heard before. Uh, I still don't understand who they are, and I'm talking about the alt-left. Oh, yeah, you know, the alt-left. I, I, I do see the alt-right, and we solve them. The Unite the Right, right, which is really Unite the White, um, be the KKK, the, 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 uh, all, all the white supremacist groups, all the d- different names, right? But is there an organized alt-left? Not at all. He's um, just lumping anybody who disagrees with them as alt-left. Is that it? Well, this is what I've been cautioning on Twitter
7: uh, for quite some time <laughs> is this term, I think, undoubtedly originated from Democrats from members of the political left. Uh, I think it was used uh, most recently to sort of lump Bernie-type folks together uh, with, like, Antifa folks and people who didn't vote, people who were- Antifa
0: the... or anti-fascist. Yeah, anti-fascist.
7: Yeah. Uh, and, you know, with people who were to the left of Democrats.
0: That was sort of the
7: the origination, as, as I've seen it, Yeah. And I always thought it was, at best, imprecise, uh, and at worst, I think it basically serves to delegitimize people and take away sort of their objections who are not members in good standing of, of one of the two parties. Yeah, and of course, just like fake news, just like other terms that have been used, I think, to a strong effect, to solidifying the Democrats. It got turned and used by Republicans. Now it got turned and used by Trump. You know, we forget fake news also came from media and politicians on the left, and both of those, I think, we we lost command of them. And now Donald Trump is calling people who are like Heather Heyer, who was just, yeah. you know, I think she's mo- uh, she's most identified now as a sort of uh, sort of a Bernie type, um, yeah. and. She's being lumped in now with anti-fascists, with, you know, people who have no connection to her except for being out there and standing against the plan. All right. Plans. All right. So
0: I'm a Bernie supporter. Right. And I'm, by the way, I'm against fascism. I think. I, shocking. I know. We should I didn't realize. No. So that makes me alt-left? Well, according to right. lots of folks on Twitter, it does. That's such BS. Hey. The, the, yeah, the fact that if you're a, a part of an anti-fascist movement, you're considered to be so ex- an extremist, right?
3: Did you happen to see part of the uh, Trump comments yesterday where he was talking about Heather Heyer? And
0: oh, He yeah. talked
3: about not so much her memory and who she was or anything like that, but that her mother said some really nice <coughs> things about me. I don't know if anybody saw those comments that her mother made, but she made some she had some very nice things to say about me. I think everyone should go watch that. Yeah. That's his takeaway.
4: He also said this.
1: Does anyone know I own a house in Charlottesville? Oh boy, it's going to be—it's in Charlottesville. You'll see.
5: Where is the winery?
1: It's a—it is the winery. He's got a house in
4: Charlottesville. Anyone know that? It is. It's a great time to bring that up. The winery.
3: It's oh god. I mean, like part of me is—it says like, wake me up when he does something that's not completely insane. But the other part of me is just like, I can't believe we're here.
0: By the way, her mother said some beautiful things about her daughter. Yes. I didn't hear her say anything nice about Donald Trump, but I'm, I could have missed that. Um, but the fact that he has not called her mother in four days now, uh, I think, speaks volumes. And when he does call, if he does call, I hope she doesn't take the call. One of our Twitter users, by the way,
4: just brought up a, a good point. Can you imagine if Heather Heyer was African-American?
0: It would be even worse. Oh, my God. Yep. Oh, yeah. Um I think we've I think this is going to be seen as a turning point in the Trump administration let's hope
3: I hope uh, so no i, I hope uh,
0: so yeah i I say that with some trepidation because we've seen a lot of other moments right but uh th- th- there's there's got to be a line that he crosses someday um and I would hope that this is a line we haven't we're, we're not sure of that yet, but could be.
7: Yeah, let's see how they... Because uh... I
0: don't think he's going to let it go. Oh, he won't.
7: Um, I think the more <clears throat> backlash he receives, the more he'll dig in. Yeah. Uh, and we'll see where that takes us. You know, I thought we were at the the, far, the <laughs> furthest limits of, of the absurd on Saturday. Uh, and here we are, <laughs> yeah. much, much past that.
0: Right. Uh, and part of this, of course, was uh, Donald Trump taking, uh, again, opportunity yesterday to attack the media because they have not reported on the full story of Charlottesville or they have talked about Charlottesville without knowing the facts. So he says... Angelo Carasone, who's the president of Media Matters for America, joins us next to talk about that aspect of it. Uh, Thank you so much, Van, for coming in again. It's always very good to us. Good to see you, and um, be safe. Um, We will talk to you again soon. All right. Quick break. We'll be right back with The Bill Press Show.
1: He is not a racist, I can tell you that. He's a good person. He actually gets a very unfair press in that regard.
2: Download our podcast, search for The Bill Press Show on iTunes, and remember to rate, review, and subscribe. This is The Bill Press Show. video bill's commentary the best clips from the show all in one place youtube.com slash the bill press show
0: hey you bet it is on a wednesday august 16 hello 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 thanks for joining us to be part of the program here the bill press show booming out to you nationwide uh, on free speech tv also on youtube youtube.com slash the bill press show and out in the chicago area on the progressive voice of Chicago, WCPT. Thank you all for uh, joining us. Donald Trump yesterday at his news conference not only legitimizing the KKK and the white supremacist, but taking another attempt to slam the media, saying the media didn't report correctly on uh, the right, the real news about Charlottesville because they didn't know all the facts. Angelo Carasone here from the Fact Finder Media Matters for America. The truth tellers, our watchdogs, uh, media watchdogs on the left, uh, and, and Angelo joining us in studio. Good to see you. Good nice to see you as well. So, um, looks like media. The media is Donald Trump's enemy, except when it comes to Fox News. That's right. Uh, <laughs> and I've heard it said that Donald Trump is going to be long, loud, and strong, and as long as Fox News stays with him. Will Fox News ever break?
6: I think they could. Uh, I mean, really? they, they, uh, certainly because it's, you know, they don't have Roger Ailes anymore. Yeah. Uh, nor do they have uh, Bill Shine, who was really somebody who implemented much of what Roger Ailes's vision was. Uh, right. Who was the right. uh, president that got pushed out after Bill O'Reilly because he had helped cover up some of the sexual harassment? So you know they had two really important implementers that are gone, and you can see some of the fissures and cracks within the network. Uh, it's still an alternative universe, and the irony in all of this is that as much as Fox News is Trump's greatest ally. Uh, in many respects, they're also his worst enemy because they've created much of the uh, the reality uh, that he has that leads him to go out there and give these kinds of press conferences where he can warn about the alt-left uh, or you know say both sides mm. because that is literally parroting the kinds of things that you hear on Fox and Right Wing Talk Radio.
0: For example, um, when we're talking about having to, if we were to go after Robert E. Lee... Then, of course, you have to tear down the Washington Monument and the Jefferson Memorial. That was, that. Was, he said that yesterday, Tuesday. Monday night, here's Martha McCallum and Newt Gingrich on Fox News.
1: Where are you going to stop it? You want to say, what if you weren't sensitive enough to the Holocaust? We should take down all the statues of Fra- Franklin Delano Roosevelt. You can make an argument for that. I mean, well, you could make an argument first, for Thomas Jefferson and George Washington. Uh, you know, I mean, are you going to change the name <laughs> well, of the Washington you to Monument? Are you gonna... Slave owners? Yeah, absolutely. That's
6: my point. So your point is he's parroting a lot of what he hears on Fox. Completely. I mean, much of the stuff that he was saying sounded exactly like Fox News. So, for example, uh, I think one of the issues on Saturday, to be honest, was that he was watching Fox. Uh, and if you were watching the coverage of, on Fox on Saturday before his statement, uh, it was almost a fifty-fifty split. They would—they uh-huh. did not call or say anything about the car. Uh, mm-hmm. attack um they called it an accident number one. Uh, and number oh. two, they said that the driver uh, very likely could have been acting in self-defense. Um, and so and that and so that was uh, uh, almost half of their coverage pointed out that the driver was likely acting in self-defense. So if you're Donald Trump uh, and you're sitting there watching Fox News, of course, when you get to the microphone, aside from the fact that you have sort of a sympathetic ear to a lot of the white supremacists, you've also just been told that maybe the guy was acting in self-defense by the network that you pretty much only trust. Uh, and so I, I do think that in large part, part of the reason he keeps making these big public stumbles is because he is just parroting what he hears in, in this alternative universe.
0: Right. Now, we were all wondering how this could happen, how this could... Um, people knew that, this, that there was talk about bringing the statue down. They knew that this riot, or this rally, I'm sorry, had been uh, planned because there was a permit for it. So you see all these factors that could lead to something blowing up. How could this ever happen? Well, we that might have been a big mystery until Rush Limbaugh yesterday. <laughs> he, he, uh, he, he told us. He told us the secret.
6: That's right. It's all the Democrats. Yes. Oh, you're going to play the audio? That's good. Somebody wanted it to happen. Or somebody knew
7: it was going to happen and didn't want it to stop because they wanted to try to capitalize
0: on it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the (laughs) Democrats let it happen. Because we so we could capitalize on it.
6: Rush Limbaugh is sort of uh, what I find interesting about him is that he sort of mastered the art of conspiracies without offering any theories. Right. So like Alex Jones and Sean Hannity, they can posit a conspiracy and then they'll give you the mechanics of how this happened. Right. Like Democrats either paid somebody or this person was a spy or whatever that is. They'll really get into the details. He'll just kind of float this idea, somebody knew and was sort of involved, doesn't give any explanation because he knows his audience will sort of fill in all of the gaps, um, but it's a style and a tactic that he takes all the time, and it's yeah, very, very yeah. distinct to him.
0: Uh, but the real question is, I mean, it's, this, first of all, that the Democrats couldn't organize a two-car funeral, right. <laughs> uh, but the idea that... Oh, yeah, this is really going to be trouble. Good, good. Let's let it happen. Yeah. Right? Oh, Yeah, let's make it as bad as it could possibly be because then we'll really make uh, And Then we'll invite Terry McAuliffe down. It was all planned ahead That's of right. time, engineered. Yeah, engineered ahead of time. But a real question does anybody listen to Rush anymore?
6: he doesn't really have any kind of persuasive power or influence um what he has is, is inertia so a lot of the stations that he was on haven't swapped him yeah. out yet uh some of them have actually he's lost really? a lot of stations yeah. yeah um and uh but you know his commercial viability is essentially tanked uh and so he took a, an enormous hit as a result of that uh, but it's inertia. Most of yeah. his audience, if you just compare, uh, you can compare sort of even a, you know a smaller right wing radio host. If you go and look at social, they can move people into action. Yeah, Russia's yeah. audience is mainly just they're driving. They're sort of stuck. You know, uh, he doesn't really have the hold over the party uh, the way that he he did in the past. Right. Uh, so he's just kind of Alex Jones is really an influencer now. Sean Hannity is really driving the bus. And in some ways, it's a lot scarier, and I think that's partly why it's so erratic and all over the place. But Limbaugh just is not an influential person. Sean,
0: who has actually become a lot more extreme than he was when I knew him, when I was at uh, W. Where were we? M E L. No, M A L. W M A L. Yeah, M A L. -L Here in Washington. Um, But then, um, but okay, you mentioned Alex Jones. I was going to ask about him next. He does have another, a different, (laughs) slightly different conspiracy theory about. Who these people? Who are the members of the KKK? Uh, who are the a- members of these anti-Semitic groups, would you believe? They're actually Jews. I
3: mean, quite frankly, I've been to these events. A lot of the KKK guys with their hats off look like they're from the cast of Seinfeld. Literally, they're just Jewish actors. Nothing against Jews in general, but
0: they're leftist
6: Jews. They want
0: to you know, create this clash and they go dress up as Nazis. But nothing against Jews in general.
6: Usually it's a bad sign if, if, if you're beginning any statement with, look, nothing against the Jews. but Nothing against the
3: Jews. <laughs> in general, the left is Jews. Folks, <laughs> folks, folks, look, i got to tell you, I've seen the tapes. I've seen the tapes. You've seen the tapes. We've all seen the tapes. We saw the protesters that were there. Julia Louis-Dreyfus was there. Uh, Jason Alexander was there. Jerry Seinfeld was there. Uh, Michael Richards was there. We've seen all of them there uh, in their Seinfeld costumes, folks. We've seen it happen. We've seen the tapes. You've seen them. I've seen them. We've all seen them. There this is an go. amazing time to be alive. What an amazing time! <laughs>
6: it's crazy, it is. And, I mean, and Donald Trump listens to him. I mean, that's the thing. They talk on yes. the phone, yeah. uh, and that's what. So, this is partly what I think that really is the problem. Is that you know, uh, and it's not. It's not that this is new for him. This has always been very consistent with his own, with Trump's own worldview. He's always looking for. Sort of an edge, the uh, and in this case he sees an edge as information other people don't have. That information just happens to be nonsense, um, and that's why most people ignore it. But um, he really does consume this because he sees the potential to harness uh, this audience and uh, and obviously that information to, to make an argument. And so he does. He does listen to Alex Jones. He thinks he's insightful. Mm.
0: God, right? Um, to have we've never seen a. Um... <laughs> well, in so, in so many ways, we've never seen a presidency like this, but we certainly have never had a president who is so obsessed with watching television.
6: Obsessed. Completely. <laughs> totally, right? This Absolutely. is his whole life. It is. at 100%. Um, I think that he really believes that it allows for him to do two things, um, to understand and tap into the zeitgeist. Um, and then the result of that is that he can then respond to it because he just he really sees himself as a chief marketing officer, uh, somebody that is managing a brand. Uh, and that put aside whatever the commercial side of that is just from an emotional perspective, he really sees the ability to connect his brand to an audience's overall feeling and then use that for some objective is important. That's why he, you know, he makes these grand statements or might attack McConnell this day because he really does think that he can move and harness that energy to achieve external objectives and it all gets back to his actual religion um, which is not really you know Christianity or any faith as most people it's would think Donald about Trump it. yeah and it's the power of right? positive thinking he really believes it that if you yeah. believe it that you can will it into existence. This is not a theory. It's an honest, sincere belief that he has. Um, that if you believe it, you can you can genuinely and sincerely affect the world around you simply by your own intense thoughts. And right-wing media is deeply, is high valence. It's really emotional, uh, and it, it very much is consistent with that.
0: Overall... Uh, from your perch at uh, Media Matters, and you know we've been close for a long time, and I've been to your office many, many times. And I see all these people, there's army of people there, you know, listening to all this talk. Ray, I was kid with David Brock, your founder. Yep. About it's good that you listen to these people, so we don't have right, to. Yeah. <laughs> but you're monitoring them. You're reading all the uh, the newspapers, reading all the online stuff, which is more and more these days. Overall, do you think the media's done a good job of reporting on the Trump presidency?
6: No, um, I, I don't, actually. I uh, And I think that occasionally they, they definitely are forced to do so or are compelled to to engage in that. But, no, on balance, I don't think that they've done an amazing job about this. So, to, to uh,
0: to, to, to like, yeah. w- w- what are your problems and with it? I Where do you my, think they've fallen short?
6: I think that they've missed the mark on... I think that sometimes they <clears> let <throat> uh, a lot of the big picture stories um, consume a news cycle even when there's no information there. Um, I think mm-hmm. that people are already high-strung enough uh, and instead of trying to engage with people in a sensible way that doesn't turn them off, uh, they're actually trying to exploit that uh, that emotional rawness. So, you know, if breaking news and you're putting banners on your headline at 8 o'clock at night for a story that happened yesterday, that's not breaking. Um, but what you're really trying to do is manipulate people into sticking with your channel for a longer period of time. Uh, I think that... I,
0: everybody uses breaking news absolutely. right now for... And for everything. Everything. And yeah. I think yeah. that,
6: and and it's probably because everyone's so tuned in and anxious uh, that, that I don't think they're doing an amazing job of tamping it down. It's only more recently that they feel like they have to call the plays uh, where they finally took a stand on the white nationalist issue and said, look, you know, we're not going to play the both sides game because uh, this white nationalist is something distinct and we're going we're gonna to do that. But uh, they they were perfectly capable of perpetuating and enabling a lot of the right wing lies about Black Lives Matters up until... The last couple days. Uh, and that's only validated and reinforced a lot of the things that Trump has said about both sides. Um, and so, no, I don't think that they've done a, a particularly amazing job about it. And then lastly, and I think this is the biggest concern that I have, is that I think they consistently get manipulated or duped. I think they've missed a lot of the online manipulation that has helped them sort of move into stories. I think they play too much obsession about who some of the personnel is, ignoring a lot of the operational issues that are happening behind the scenes. I think they've done some really good reporting uh, when it comes to investigative work, and for that, I I definitely applaud them. Uh, But on balance, I I don't necessarily know if they've done the most amazing job, um, as evidenced by, again, having some really disreputable people Given purchase, uh, not just on cable news, but in publications.
0: Right. Um, a little pushback on that. Sure. I'd have to say, I believe that in print journalism, uh, yeah. Uh, we have seen some of the best reporting, 100%. investigative reporting that I've seen, well, I think any of us have seen since maybe the days of Watergate. Hands down. I agree. Um, You're right. I was reading again this morning the New York Times, Glenn Thrush, Peter Baker, Maggie Haberman. Yeah. I cannot believe what they put out every single it's day. It's amazing. You're absolutely right. right. When, You're w- totally would you right. agree with that? Absolutely.
6: Yeah. Inve- when it comes to the investigative reporting work, um, it's really been, it, it, is, it is an entirely new day when it comes to journalism. Uh, and, and that has really been amazing and impressive. Uh, and they deserve full accolades for that. They yeah. have not been duped uh, in any way, shape, or form. And uh, I'm really grateful for their efforts.
0: The uh, front page of the New York Times this morning, Glenn Thrush and Maggie Haberman have a, a news analysis piece above the fold Right. Where they say that this Donald Trump did more to legitimize white supremacy and the KKK yesterday than any president has ever done. Yeah, that's 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 true. Old stuff. And they got it right. But I
6: will say, and I think that part of this and I think that some of my criticism comes on a personal level. Uh, from the reactions and the responses that I was getting during the campaign and for the past few years. I have had a long history with Donald Trump. One of the things that I had said and had argued back then was that Donald Trump was not just dabbling in white supremacy, but was enabling and supporting them. And I was giving evidence of their explicit interactions with white nationalist communities. Don't forget that during the campaign, Donald Trump had a history of retweeting Influencers in the white genocide community, which is what the white nationalists are called Mm. on Twitter. They have a hashtag called white genocide. He had repeatedly engaged with their leading voices on Twitter uh, during the campaign cycle, a wink and a nod to that community. And the other thing is, in his speeches, is he was peppering in ideas uh, that are consistent with white nationalism. So the the notion that his genes were somehow superior uh, reinforces the idea that some bloodlines are better. Yeah. Uh, and the, he, the, the, the Trump family has believed that for a long time. That whole race horse. One yeah. hundred percent. They really. And so part of one of the concern, and and when I would talk about this with some of the reporters who are now doing really good work, I was told that I was crazy, mm. obsessed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh uh biased um even though i have a perspective that doesn't necessarily mean that it wasn't less valid and so on a personal level it's like you know there were really clear signs of this not opinions clear indicia uh and it was ignored
3: do you remember the the sheriff star that yes. they had on that hillary Clinton That's right ad, mm. where they had like mm. talking about hillary clinton getting all this money from big banks
6: forgot about that and yeah. had
3: a very clear star of david Yep. on the on this ad. And when he was pushed and pressed about it, he goes, no, 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 that was, a, that was the <coughs> sheerest <laughs> badge.
6: That's right. And when you track that image down, yeah, because they got yeah, it right. from a, an anonymous online community that was actually a hotbed of men's rights activity and white nationalism uh they literally just pulled it from there uh much like the crime statistics remember he posted those that that meme about bogus crime statistics about black people killing white people and all these crazy outrageous numbers it was the, the numbers were literally fabricated by the same publication the daily stormer uh that is now one of the big topics today just took the image put it into his twitter account right from there right from their pages right um and you know <clears throat> and people focused on the lies that were there but the sourcing and the Origins were very clear during the campaign. The
0: Daily Stormer being the um, main um, website for the alt right, if we call them that's right. Yeah, it. that's right. Yeah. All right, for white supremacists. Yeah, yeah. White supremacists.
3: That, that, yeah. that goes farther yeah. than it just does. the alt rights. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I would say yeah. Breitbart is an alt right website, yeah. but the Daily Stormer is for white supremacists. Yeah, they
0: right. pretty explicit yeah. yeah. white yeah. supremacists. You know, back to back to um, uh, in terms of some good reporting, I think, too. With the Russian investigation, both the New York Times and particularly also the Washington Post here, you know they've been relentless in not letting go of that story, even though Donald Trump has tried everything he can, yep. right, to say this is a witch hunt, fake news, blah blah boom, boom. But they've kept on it, and uh, and they've been coming up with bombshell after not not maybe for the last month, but bombshell after bomb all of all that we know about that, right?
6: Yep, I think that overall the journalism has actually been really solid and and, and important and good. Uh, I think then, if you um, wrap the larger media conversation around that, yeah. is when you start yeah. to get into the, the sort of the dicier stuff.
0: Okay. Um, what's your take on leaks? I mean, oh, right? The worst problem that we face today is not ISIS. Yep. Yep. It's, it's not a, white supremacy. Right. It's the leaks yeah. from the White House. Yes. I, and they always <laughs> try to change the subject, Always. Setting. don't ask us about all these bad stories about the White House. No. Who leaked it?
6: That's right. I, I'm fine with leaks. Um, I, I and and I would so be I. regardless of who was in the office because I think that uh, you know, I think oftentimes, I mean, look, some leaks are, are, and I think it's important for journalists and reporters to be able to separate out, uh, and you know, not you, and they don't. Let's be real. You know how many leaks they really get on a daily basis. These reporters that are are, yeah. that, are that have this top billing, <clears throat> they are just getting a flood yeah. of leaks, and a lot of it they just ignore uh, or yeah. don't give any attention to because it isn't newsworthy. Uh, and I think that's important for being in a, in, in having and some that some of the stuff
0: that's newsworthy is stuff that will. Uh, embarrass the administration. Yep, that's distinct from something might jeopardize our national security. That's exactly right. I see very, very few of the latter.
6: That's exact. That's exactly right? right. Almost all of it is related to real critical issues of life and death. and yeah. uh, and so I think the leaks have been fine, and I don't have any issue with it. And I think that's so. When Jeff is.
0: Sessions declares, right, they're going to be more aggressive. By the way, being more aggressive than the Obama administration on leaks
6: right that's impressive that's uh, impressive yeah. it, it does take yeah. effort to do that yeah. um and you know, it's 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 and i think when he does that too it's also a reflection of the fact that as you were saying before that trump is really just you know he's a, a different kind of president that he's obsessed with cable news imagine having the attorney general doing one event solely for one person uh, and that's what it was it sure. was a th- sure. it was theater so that donald trump could watch it on tv and feel like something was done and that That is just a very different world than we've ever really lived in.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, Do you think there will be... Do do you think Sessions is going to try to prove his point by going after some journalist uh, for reporting on stuff that was leaked to them?
6: I do. Uh, Unless, you know, I think what happens is, and I think this is where things get distracted, it really is important that, at least in terms of Trump implementing his policies, a lot of it actually comes from the outside. It actually comes from the news media, People like Sean Hannity and others who are pressuring decision makers inside the administration with their audiences to take action bit by bit by bit. Um, And so when they get distracted and they have to run interference for Trump like now, which is to try to keep their audience intact around him and the support intact around him. What they're not doing is talking about how Jeff Sessions needs to be moving forward, going after the leaks, because leading up to that big leaks thing, they were pushing Trump's line that Sessions wasn't doing enough, that he could be on the chopping block unless he does something with the leakers. Uh, And so now that's a bit of a distraction. So I think for me, the bellwether's gonna be when the right-wing media starts getting back to this notion of we have to go after the leakers, uh, then I'll say, yeah, I think the chances of Sessions really pushing forward with it greatly increase.
0: Yeah, Uh, so nobody does a better job in um, sorting out the fake news from the real news or the fake news from the truth uh, than Media Matters, mediamatters.org. You must get the question, because you do expose so many of their lives. I mean, that's been the strength of the organization from the very beginning. You must get the question, okay, who can we trust? Now, at the risk of (laughs) (laughs) singling people out that you may not always agree with, across the board, I mean, who do you think uh, in the cable news or the network news um, or among print is doing the best stuff today?
6: I, I definitely, the Times and the Post have been really solid. Uh, I, I, I don't really have much faith or confidence in USA Today. I don't think they're bad actors. I just think that they're in a challenging situation and are a little bit disconnected and hollowed out, and so I think that makes them a, a difficulty. You know, CNN's a mixed bag, um, and so I, I think, you know, by and large, and I used to be a very big critic of, of Jake Tapper's, uh, but I think that he has done probably the most consistent, steady job of trying to be an honest broker. Tapper was
3: on air after this Trump uh, these Trump comments yesterday and the camera came back <laughs> to Jake Tapper <laughs> and it was just a blank what the hell did I just watch look yeah. on his face. Yeah. yeah, It was pretty wild.
0: No, I think Jake has really grown into that position and, and been very aggressive and very you know, going after the truth. I think he's done an excellent, excellent job. And just one uh, more, you, you I would just say going to say, Jim Schudo on the yep. investigative side. Yeah,
6: I was. Yeah, exactly. I wanted to get the investigators in. Schudo would be one for sure, and yeah. Andrew Kazinski as well, because yes. and yeah. his team. Uh, Because what they do is really look into the connection and the nexus between the Trump administration, conservative and Republican politics and not just right wing media in the traditional sense, but a lot of this sort of burgeoning online right wing communities that are helping really fuel and foment a lot of Trump's ideology and agenda.
0: Uh, I, uh, not to stick on him, but I, I think Anderson has been uh, b- 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 very strong, too, has found his voice. He his has found his
6: voice. And I think, you know, during the campaign, you know, he was hosting uh, one of the moderating one of the debates and in the pre-coverage of the debate, he had talked about the fact that they, you know, part of the reason they don't ask certain questions. Um, and he said, you know, one of the reasons we don't ask the climate questions is because of the fact that we'll get criticized and attacked for it. And it's just not worth it. And, that's an um, and and it was so frustrating to listen to that. It was a massive yeah. abdication of responsibility. Uh, and and to your point about him getting better, is I think that he they've sort of gotten rid of the idea. You know, one of the disadvantages, at least from Trump's perspective, is is if you go so far and you, you eliminate all credibility, it gives them nowhere to go. Now they have to actually be themselves. No, exactly. Yeah,
0: if he's going to attack him all the time, he's being fake. Well. Why even try? Exactly. To, uh, right. You got it. Okay. Again, can't praise the, the work of Media Matters. Uh, I remember when we didn't have them. Uh, our life has changed for the better since they've been there, MediaMatters.org. Angela Carasone, Mr. President, thank you for thank all you Thank you very doing. much. Thanks for coming in. nice seeing you. Have a great day, folks. This Come back tomorrow. We'll be Press looking for show. you.